0: Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is God's plan for restoration part one. Now, here's Pastor Chris. I wasn't planning on sitting, but I'll take a seat when I can. Great to see you all today, everybody. Let's pray. God, I thank you for another day of life and an opportunity to come together today to once again praise, pray, and study. Be with us now, especially as we, uh, ch- uh, as we take on the task of our, our intended uh, study today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story told of a man who was staying in a chalet in Europe, and as he rose early in the morning, he could hear and feel this great thunder. And all of a sudden, he thought, the Lord is coming! So he got out of bed, he ran to the front desk, and he said, is everything okay? I feel like this place is falling apart, I hear this great rumbling. The man at the desk said, sir, you are staying on the west side. As the sun rises and falls on the west side, all of the snow and all the rocks begin to warm up and reshape and cause an avalanche and a crashing. It's just simply another day. To which the man in defeat thought, man, I feel ridiculous. Ridiculous. Such was the case with our early church forefathers at one point. Our church story begins with a man named William Miller, who, uh, as a child, grew up in the Baptist faith. And eventually, he grew tired and weary of that and became a deist. And then eventually, the War of 1812 comes about, He he was, I believe, a captain at the time, and he got a bunch of guys to go to this particular fort. And it was there at this fort that they experienced the artillery and the bombing of the British. And in one particular incident, there was a bomb that exploded in front of him just feet away. And as it blasted, he was harmed, he was hurt. Uh, to a degree, but three men were even more gravely wounded and one man killed. It was there that he began to question his beliefs of who he thought God was. And when he returned home, he did not give up his deistic beliefs, but he thought he would try to marry the two of his former early beliefs as a Baptist. And one day, as he was talking to his, his friends, his deistic friends, they challenged him, how can you try to harmonize these beliefs? They don't go together. See, deists, they they eschew; they don't believe in the, in the special revelation of God trying to reveal God's self. They use logic. They use uh, reason and objectivity. And it was there that William Miller began a study of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, going verse by verse and it was there that when he came to Daniel 8:14 where it says unto 2300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed and he began to think about prophecy and realizing in his mind he thought that Jesus would return and so he starts to estimate when is it possible and, and we'll, not today, but we're going to hit this topic, uh, soon. But he comes to, uh, he comes to a conclusion that he thinks that Jesus would come sometime in the spring of 1843 and 1844. And so he begins to go out and he begins and starts what would be known as the Millerite movement. People from all kinds of different walks in Christian faith and eventually people who had no faith believed what William Miller and all the people who followed, they created this movement. And it was there that in this movement, they were preaching that the Lord was going to be coming soon. Interestingly enough, at the time, they were using modern technology. They were actually, uh, which modern technology was a printing press, not the great Internet that we have today, but... They were constantly trying to improve, to get the message out to all of the world. And it was there that, as uh, it took a long time, and eventually when uh, 1844 came by, the first conclusion, he thought, okay, maybe April of 1844, and that didn't work out. And finally, they came to the conclusion that on October 22, 1844, They set a hard target. And when 18, uh, sorry, October 22, 1844, people woke up that morning, hopeful to wait to see the clouds open and to see Jesus come. Six o'clock happened. Seven o'clock, eight, nine, ten, four o'clock. And then six o'clock happened. Seven, eight, nine, 10, and people by then were starting to get very, very scared. 11 o'clock happened. At the 11th hour, people were starting to doubt. People were starting to have chills. People were questioning their faith. 12 o'clock happened. No Jesus. And it wasn't until the early morning that great weeping and gnashing of teeth, people who had sold everything and given everything away, people who had abandoned their farms, there were plenty of fields that were uh, not tilled. They quit their jobs. And in the morning, as Hiram Adson writes, our fondest hopes and expectations were blasted, and such a spirit of weeping came over us as I had never experienced before. We wept and wept till the day dawn. So much so that the next day on October 23, and shortly thereafter, they were met with scoffing, with rebuke. Some people actually said that they were the devil's agents, in a way to paraphrase it. One child who was such a savage said, do you have a ticket to go up? And some actually, I'm told, actually committed suicide because their faith had dwindled. But out of this this um, event came four groups that would continue on that believed that Jesus would uh, would reappear. One of them, which was the early forefathers of our faith. Joseph Bates, James and Ellen G. White, um, many uh, many faithful founders of our church. And it was there that they eventually learned about the Sabbath and then of healthful eating. And eventually this group would form in the 1860s the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So when we look back and we see after 18, after October 22, 1844, also known as the great what? Disappointment. Hiram Adson actually came to the conclusion that Jesus was not going to return here and cleanse the earth, but that he had moved into the most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. Now again, like I said, we'll address this topic for today, uh, topic later, that particular topic later. But we hold on to the fact that though Jesus has moved into, as a church, we believe that Jesus has moved into the most uh, um, holy place in the heavenly sanctuary, we still hold on to the faith that Jesus will one day return. Amen? Amen. It's in our name. We are seventh day. We believe in the Sabbath, but the Adventist, the advent of God, the advent that we believe that Jesus will one day return. He will raise those who are sleeping, who have died, who are sleeping, raise them back to life. And we who are still here will be changed and we will be drawn together with God and we will spend eternity with the Lord. Amen. So today we're going to talk about some things that can help prepare us, and also I would dare say, is uh, um, <clears throat> I, I would say that it would, to a degree, we should also hold with caution, because one thing that I know, if we do, if we are not mindful and study the past, we are bound to what? Repeat the same mistakes, and I, as I've even in my short life. I have seen this pattern happen over and over several times. So the second coming of Christ is the blessed hope of the church. This is the fundamental belief of the second coming. The grand climax of the gospel, because in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us to go to preach, teach, and baptize and make disciples. And that he also says that he will also return one day. So God's given us our mission statement and our purpose and our vision that all know who God is. And that as well, the gospel must be preached to everyone, not just a few people in North America or Europe or Australia or Asia, but everywhere. Sorry, I just, I love saying Australia. <laughs> if there are any Australians that have offended, I do apologize. The Savior's coming will be a literal, a personal, a visible, and worldwide event. When he returns, the righteous dead will be resurrected and together with the righteous living will be glorified and taken to heaven, but the unrighteous will die. The almost complete fulfillment of most lines of prophecy together with the present condition of the world indicates that Christ's coming is near. The time of the event has not been revealed, and we are therefore exhorted to be ready at all times. So let's go to Matthew 24:36 through 44. Matthew 26 Matthew 24, verse 36. And I've done something different as well. <clears throat> I've also added in your bulletins just scripture that you can go back and you can read on your own to help uh, help support uh, what we're studying about. Because I'm going to sometimes refer to them briefly. But if we were to just go and read every single thing, we'd be here till three o'clock. All right. So... I know some of you get hangry, myself included, and uh, we need to make sure that we're properly fed. And But I want to make sure that we can do this all on a point where, in our minds, we're able to think clearly and remember. All right? Thank you. So Matthew 24. Are we all there? Amen. But about that day or hour, no one knows... Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. If you don't know this story, there was a man in the book of Genesis. And God tells him he's going to bring rain. And at that point, there had been no rain before. When Noah tries to tell the people... They're like, dude, you're crazy. And he begins to build this huge boat. And the world was a very bad and frankly sinful place. And Noah tries to warn the people. And they're like, dude, you're crazy. And at the time, eventually, God sends the rain and floods the whole earth. And the only people who are saved are Noah, his wife, his boys, and their wives, and the animals that were on board okay for in the days before the flood sorry, sorry um and knew nothing about what would happen until the flood and took them all away that is how it will be the son of man two men will be in the field one will be taken the other left two women will be grinding in the handmill; one will be taken the other left therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your lord will come But understand this. If the owner of that house had known at that time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. So we don't know what the exact time Jesus will come. But yet in scripture, we're provided information of how. We know that Jesus is coming soon, but we don't know exactly when. But we've been given the tools and the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to prepare, but not just that, share Jesus' soon return. Amen? So God gives us information to prepare, it doesn't give us a precise day. And frankly, sometimes though, if you've been in the faith long enough, I was born in the faith, okay? Many of you were. We've been waiting, and dude, how long does, do we have to wait? But yet for Jesus, for God, time is different for God because what we think is a very long day is very short in the span of time. I've been living on this earth for almost 39 years, and in that time, I've gotten to experience a lot. There are those who are twice my age who have experienced a lot. But yet, from the time of, of man, God has been around even longer. So, be patient. I remember a time uh, when I was a teenager, back in the day. We were starting with the, studying uh, prophecy with uh, a group of people, and that's all we studied. And frankly, I'm very grateful because these people saw something in me, and it was there that I started to have the inklings of being called into ministry. And these individuals, they mentored me. Um, but at the time, one particular individual started making these bold claims. Now, this is the late 90s, in particular, 1999. This guy mentioned that yes, Jesus is going to come within the next couple of months. That's a bold claim. And then the next couple of months go by. What happens? Nothing. And eventually, he 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 rechanged uh, his his predictions, and he said, "No, no, it's going to be in a couple of months." This is 1999. What's happening very soon? Y2K. Those of you who are young and weren't born before the 2000s, there was this great fear that in 1999, when the clocks would change, the banks would go into financial disarray and all of our world and all of our country would go into pandemonium and everything would be messed up. People were, kid you not, just like today, people went to the Costco, they got the water, they got the, the toilet paper, they got the food. And we were thinking, Jesus is coming soon, and the world is going to go into pandemonium. And guess what happened? Nothing. History repeats itself. We have to be cognizant of that. You know, especially as Adventists, we've been very good at trying to prophesy, but we haven't been very accurate. So let's heed the words of Jesus that. We know he's coming soon. We don't know when, but let us continue to be faithful in our calling to share the good news and indicate, yes, we look forward to the great promise that Jesus will come soon. We don't know when, but let us prepare ourselves for his return. Now, the thing about Jesus returning is everyone will know and see Jesus return. Let's go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So, I'm sorry, we're going to, I'm running out of time. So, if you don't catch up, just bear with me. It's written in your bulletins. Make sure you keep those bulletins, okay? Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring those Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, we will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God and the dead of Christ will rise first, and after that those We, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord so that we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And in this passage, in these five to six verses, there is so much power in that because frankly, brothers and sisters, we have loved ones who have passed, died, but we take hope for the fact that they are sleeping, they are resting. Amen, that is a beautiful, comforting thought to me I've lost a number of uh, uh family and church members, and I take hope and heart in the fact that they're resting, and that one day I will be able to be able to see them because the dead in Christ will be rise first when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, he's going to blow that. He's going to have an angel blow the trumpet. There will be a loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the fact of the matter is that not I'm oh, sorry. everybody is going to see. They will know and see Jesus return. It's not going to be some secret event that Jesus returned, but that all will see. It will be apparent, and it's going to be a glorious and magnificent event. The beautiful thing as well is that when Jesus returns, this broken-down body that you have, we're going to get a new body. Those who are still alive will be changed, and those who are asleep will be awakened at the second coming. And especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let me just, I'm going to have to, Go through it, okay? I'm going to just skip to verse 51. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And one of the things that when we look to Scripture and we look to see and to help understand and validate our thinking is you don't want to just rely on one text, amen? amen. You want to have several. The more, the better to affirm this belief. So these uh, these texts, very similar, um, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Sounds very similar to our last verse. Amen? For the perishable must close itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, meaning we will be changed and that we will be able to live with God forever. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in what? Victory. victory. And we'll, oh, where, oh, death is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So for those of you perhaps who have lost a loved one and are still grieving, that pain that you feel is normal. But take hope and heart. Death does not have the final say. We have to look at the bigger picture when we look to Scripture. And we have to look through all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation to see how God is moving and how, uh, how God is moving us forward death can feel like one of the nastiest things that you will ever experience it's one of the hardest things, especially when you have a close loved one that you you miss their voice, you miss their smile, whatever it may be, but take heart it's not the end. I look forward to the second resurrection because Jesus being the first resurrection and the next one is the second resurrection. now the next verse second timothy to kind of help us understand what are some of the signs and things that we can look for uh look to but mark this there will be what terrible Terrible times in the last days people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boastful proud abusive disobedient to their parents for shame (laughs) ungrateful unholy without love Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of who? God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, having nothing to do with, have nothing to do with such people. Does that sound familiar? When we look around, do we see these characteristics in the world? God says, God is indicating to us, let us not be like that. But in the times of when Jesus is going to return soon, there are going to be many who will be acting like this. And earlier in Matthew 24, sorry, earlier in Matthew 24, Jesus also points out that there will be others who claim to be Messiahs, wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against what? Famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, All of these things, as we read Matthew 24, again, it's indicating some of the signs, but does not indicate when exactly. Okay, But all of these things are happening. And frankly, a lot of these things have been happening for many years. If you lived in the time of the first world war, you were living in Germany, you were living in France, you were living in Britain, between World War One and World War Two, those individuals experienced such horrific things that you would think that, God, where are you? Why are you not coming? There have been many times over the years where horrible things have happened. And it's hard to, to swallow the fact that, you know, we ask why. But I know this. God calls us to be faithful to him, and so we have to move forward trusting and believing that he will be faithful and that in God's timing, he will come, especially when all of the world knows, and there is no greater time to be able to share God's good news because of the technology, number one, that we have, the radio ministry that we've been able to have, television, everybody for the most part has a cell phone, You could have barely next to nothing, but somehow some people just, they have a cell phone. And there's no greater way. If you've got an internet connection, the world is your oyster, right? Another thing too, when we think of death as well, we think of the story, we talked about Lazarus and his sisters who asked, God, why weren't you here? But Jesus points out before he even left to go to Lazarus, he tells his disciples, just another way to affirm the fact that Lazarus is what he is sleeping or he died they thought that oh if he just needs to take a nap no Jesus says he is died but in he's really he is resting and we find later Jesus goes and he says I am the I am the resurrection and life and he heals Lazarus amen so those who have died are sleeping until Jesus comes again um, how did I go there? Oh, that's wrong. I'm sorry. That's supposed to be Romans 6.23. Now, Jesus, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we discovered uh, earlier that our humanity is such that we were born, uh, Adam and Eve were created, but yet the fact is sin has entered into this world. And we are all born sinners. And the wages of sin is what? But thanks be to God, we have a Savior. And the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Perhaps you're feeling distant from God. You're uncomfortable. I want to affirm and remind you that there is no better time to come to Jesus. And for those maybe who are here who are questioning the fact of, do I even feel close to God? There's no better time to run and reach out because God truly desires to want to live in your life, to live in your heart, to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit, to have a life with Jesus that there's no better way of experiencing life because with God, all things are possible. In the good and the bad and the stressful times, we have hope, we have peace, and we have surety and faith that he is faithful. Doesn't mean that difficult times will come because those are just a part of life. But in the ups and downs, God can still be present, is present with us. So for those of you who are seeking and want to know, we're actually, we're, at this point, we're having a number of Bible studies. Ever since I got back from vacation, I've had five people reach out and say, Pastor, I want to study and I want to be baptized. That's blown my way. Maybe I just need to go on more vacations. <laughs> but it takes courage to face our insecurities and our fears. But just like when you go to the gym, for those who are not feeling well, you got to take steps to eat well and to work out. And when you go to the gym, we face fear and insecurities. People are judging us. Look, you're in the door. That's half the battle. And as you work out, as you get stronger, as you test your muscles and you strengthen them, and as you eat well, your body changes and you become more whole. And much like the Christian faith, we have to test our faith. We have to move it. We have to nurture it through scripture, through prayer, and and the fellowship and the faith. And by exercising our faith is how we become strong and faithful. So, be faithful. Finally, the reminder of as well, for those who are sleeping and resting in Jesus, they know what? Nothing. They're out. They're no dreaming. They're simply getting their REM sleep, like the ultimate REM sleep. All right? The dead know nothing, for they know that living, they will die. But, sorry, for the living know that they will die. This, um, This is Ecclesiastes 9 five through six, the dead know nothing for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing for they have no further reward and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have any part in anything that is under the sun. Now, a question that I have is, how does death and the resurrection inform us of how we should live even today? Number one in our understanding, it should bring us peace and strength. Not to neglect again the fact that we may miss our our loved one, but we have hope. We can look forward in confidence. And when we reach out and we accept Jesus as well, we have further strength and the assurance of our salvation. We may not be perfect, but we have a loving, graceful Savior who, in our commitment to God, when we truly believe God is faithful. Until Jesus comes, so what do we do? What's the next step? What's the bridge? Till Jesus comes, we continue to love one another and share the good news that Jesus is coming. As disciples of Jesus, we follow Jesus words and teachings and not just Jesus words but as well all of scripture. And I hope and pray that one day, I hope that I will still be able to be alive and experience the second coming in its fullness. But if not, I also hope that on my tombstone, if it comes to that, my epitaph will be, I loved people well and I was faithful. In the Lord's Prayer, the first very beginning part of the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father, the one in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in where? Heaven. I hope and pray that we don't think that, well, when I get to heaven, I'll finally have that changing thought. Let's not wait till then. Let's bring God's love and God's kingdom to now. Because if we truly aren't living now for the kingdom what's going to want to make us change later? We begin, the journey begins now. And if you have questions of how to begin that journey, myself, our elders, we have plenty of people who want to share that journey with you and walk with you. It's one of the things I love about this church. We don't shy away from the fact of who we really are. I love the transparency and honesty of this church, but yet we are so graceful. It's been such a joy the last almost 10 months to be able to be here and to walk with you and get to know you and to see God's hand moving in every one of your lives in the good and in the challenging. So may we be faithful. And if you have more questions, look in your uh, bulletin. There are more verses, but don't be afraid to reach out to me. Next week, we're going to continue Uh, this part of God's restoration. And I look forward to journeying with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for another day of life and an opportunity to serve you. Lord, may we not be fearful of death, and especially, Lord, may we not be fearful of your soon coming, but be faithful and to be true and to look forward with eagerness and above all, Lord, to share that wonderful message of your soon coming. Be with us in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.